This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. To episode nine of the Team of Our Lives podcast, the nostalgic football podcast that celebrates the beautiful game in the 2000s. Joining me this week, as ever, is documentary filmmaker and Portsmouth fan Harry Hansford. And he joins me as we take a look at Scotland in the noughties. Are you looking forward to this, Mr. Harry Hansford? I am indeed. Fantastic stuff. So the SBL, as it was then, uh, was formed between 1998 and 2013. And as a league and competition, myself and Harry are embarrassed to say we do not know too much about. We pretty much know that Celtic and Rangers dominated the league. Henrik Larsson was a pretty good player and the Premier League rejects pretty much ended up at a lot of uh, Scottish different clubs. So we've decided to get in a expert from SM Media. It's Scott joining us. How are you, Scott? No bother. Thanks very much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. Nice. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, uh, Scott, you're, you're a Rangers fan? Yeah, I am. Yeah, been a Rangers fan since I could walk, basically. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, so, obviously, you've in the last 10, 15 years, that club has gone through the mixer. Yeah. In, 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 a, in a sentence, what was it like being a Rangers fan between 2000 and 2010? 
Really good. There was a, a lot of positives. Like when I when I kind of first grew up, Rangers were Rangers and Celtic were neck and neck, and it, it kind of stayed that way up until the end of the decade. Like it was just it was two teams that were evenly matched. There wasn't a massive difference between either of them. Both had good spells. Both had bad spells. We'll come on to the bad spells. I'm, I can imagine <laughs> as well. But like it was just a really really good good time to be a, a Scottish football fan. Really, I know that like. For a Rangers and Celtic perspective, there was both teams went to a European final. It was just a great time to be a be a fan of those clubs. Excellent stuff, fantastic, fantastic. So yes, today's episode is all about the SBL and Scottish football in the noughties. and the regular features also return. We've got some Kevin Friends reunited. We've got the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame, and we've got a new feature coming up as well, which Harry doesn't know about, and Scott, I'll be very surprised if you knew about it as well. But um, <laughs> there we go. Um, but we probably should say before we get too heavy into it, um, we're recording this on a Tuesday and obviously the news has broken in the last couple of days of the European Super League. Now, we're a Naughties podcast, so really we shouldn't really give two, two shits. Um, but I, th- I think it's probably a little bit important. Let's, let's, all, have a, let's all have a sentence on it. So, if, uh, Harry, do you want to start us off? What, what, what do you think of it? And um, do you think it will actually happen? Uh, I don't know if it actually happened, to be honest with you, but... Um... To me, it's oh, it's crazy, man. I just think it's, it's yeah, it's it's there's shut shut shop for like you know everyone wants that Champions League glory. Everyone hopes one day their team can even qualify for it. So to sort of take that away from people, it's it's disgusting. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And uh, and Scott, from from a from a Rangers perspective and from a Scot- Scottish perspective, I guess, how do you feel about it? Kind of the same as everybody, really. It's just I, I don't I don't see it. I, I know it's hard to say, like obviously, but they're at the stage where they've they've announced it, they've made a logo and things like that. It just seems as if it's just a an, another pull to UEFA to try and get more money out of the the Champions League and things like that. I've never, well, obviously, Rangers and Celtic have kind of featured in these conversations, like Atlantic League, and when they were talking down at the Premier League, like kind of round about o two o three, really. That was, but I've just, it's never, it's never been something I felt was really going to happen this is probably the closest it's ever been that's the first time I've rem- I can remember getting this far from like UEFA coming out UEFA have been pretty I think I've handled it really well to be honest I think they basically came out and said we don't want this to happen and if it does happen you're going to be punished so I think that'll be enough to kind yeah. of stop it like, I, I, usual, I, don't, I don't know how, what it's like from an English perspective but Scott like you want you want the, the best thing about the Champions League is like so Real Madrid are going to play Chelsea in two weeks' time. When was the last time Chelsea played Real Madrid? Like, that's the buzz with the Champions League. If you get that every year, it's going to get stale quite quickly. I feel. Yeah, I think. I think from my point of view as well. I don't know who really wants it. Like, I don't know. Well, obviously the owners want it, but let's say it did happen, and they're going, you know, around to I don't know Texas, Australia, Moscow, and they've got all these, you know, glamorous Real Madrids versus Juventuses every week, as you said. Who's going to buy into that? I don't think people will be too bothered, you know. If, it, if it's, you know, it might be fun for a couple of years, but then after that, people are going to get bored, you know. And all, all the good players coming up are still going to be at your Borussia Dortmunds, at your Portsmouths, at your Rangers, you know. All the good players coming up will be there. So it's, yeah. it, won't, it won't work. I just don't, I think they fundamentally, these American owners still don't know anything about football and how it works. And the interest <laughs> just won't be there in a few, in a few, in a few years. Play like devil's advocate for a second. I can see why five billion from JP Morgan, you know, seems attractive. 
but like you say, I think after after a year or two, like would it even make that much money? I don't know. Oh yeah, from from the Glazers' perspective, if they're getting an upfront fee of three hundred million, that's wiped their debt completely. So it's it's um, it's so before we obviously we don't want to get too heavy into it because we're an audience podcast. But um, a couple of things that did catch my eye. So Naughty's legend manager because he managed Plymouth Argyle, which is uh, close to me. Uh, Ian Holloway, did you guys see what he said in the news? Go on, Harry. Um, off the top of my head, I can't exactly remember, but <laughs> didn't he say something about it offending the, the Prince he Philip? It, he said it was an insult to the memory of Prince Philip. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Oh, it's just genius. Absolute choice line. <laughs> oh, classic, classic Holloway. Um, but my, one of my favourite ones, and I, I was in fits of laughter, laughter today, I was watching Sky Sports News for all my sins, and they were talking about... Um, Matt Busby and like the, the football is nothing about fans on the Stretford end of the of Old Trafford, and instead of Matt Busby, he said Bat Musby. <laughs> I don't know why that it just tickled me, and I was like, "Well, if you got a statement coming up from Rarkus Mashford next, and it was just uh, <laughs> it was a uh, yeah, it was quite funny." But that's enough on the uh, European Super League. Let's get into the SBL. So uh, as we kind of alluded to earlier, it's um, it was formed in 1998. And kind of wrapped up in 2013. I was just wondering, Scott, if you can kind of clear things up for us. How many teams were in the league? Why did it change? What happened over that period of time? Well, basically, the SPL was formed in 1998 as the kind of kind of FA Premier League was formed. The kind of six years before, Sky had became involved and became getting exclusive rights to the deal. So it was formed a Scottish Premier League. It was 1998, and then 2013. It was basically. Simple after the kind of Rangers situation, it was the, the kind of talk was about league reconstruction, but instead of an SPL and an a, kind of SFL, a Scottish Football League, which had the kind of three lower leagues below that, they just formed into one. And it, it so far worked out well. I mean, there's, it, but that was really what it, what it was. It was that simple. It was basically the league was, it was like the Premier League, it was a breakaway league, and then they just merged, merged back together again in 2013. Ah, oh, fair play. One thing I didn't know as well is that. I had no idea the Scottish leagues kind of worked like this, but there was only, was it 12 teams in the top flight at the time? I don't know if that's still teams, the case. It was, it was 10 teams to start with, and then I think about 01, I think they changed to 12, and it stayed that way since. It was to, it was basically to just ensure a splat for kind of more games, and base, it was, it was, it was, it was it's kind of, there was two more games a season. It was the top six would play against each other, the bottom six would play against each other. It was kind of championship battle, relegation battle. It was just so, the last six, five games of the season would be against, uh, to make it more exciting, really. Mm, yeah, and one thing I knew nothing about, and this is how naive I was, was that there was like two different, so you had phase one and phase two. I just assumed it was like the Premier League where each team plays each other twice, home and away, but they don't, they play, they play each other three times, is that right? And there's 33 every, games every, per club. Everyone plays each other three times and then they split into two, so the top six will play against each other one more time and, Basically, the bottom six will do the same. So it's just it's for that. It's just for that reason. It's to get more competition, really, and kind of make the league more exciting towards the end. Splendid stuff. And you kind of said in your intro, as a Rangers fan, that it was a good time to be a Rangers fan in, in noughties. But as an overview for Scottish football, just I suppose in a few words, what was it? What was the SPL like between two thousand and two thousand and ten? The start of it was. 
was as good as it could be. I mean, the, yeah. again, in 1998, the whole kind of thing was labelled around the TV money. It was, a, I think, it was something like, if I remember off the top of my head, it was like 25 million, I think, was the TV deal for four years in 98. So a lot of clubs were spending money that they, they were gambling on TV deals, which then proved to be the kind of downfall of a lot of the teams. But the early 2000s, Rangers were absolutely flying. Like the, the beginning, the turn of the millennium, Rangers had... Dick Advocate, they brought Dick Advocate into the place Walter Smith, as, as you'll know, Dick Advocate was a top name in European football when Rangers appointed him in 98 mm-hmm. and to be honest, Celtic were a joke when yeah. Celtic were a joke, they'd went through the, the roundabout in the kind of 99, 2000, they appointed he's appointed a well-known player in, Scott, in English football John Barnes to be the manager with Kenny Douglas to be the director of football it just it was a the kind of dream dream experiment, it just didn't work out there was a bunch of reasons, a cup defeat to Cali Thistle, there was a lot of tension in the boardroom and things like that. It was just a difficult time for Celtic and the turn of the millennium, they, they went and got the, the kind of man that would change their fortunes. They went and got uh, Martin O'Neill for Leicester who had done a, he'd done a magnificent job with Leicester, obviously winning the, the League Cup, had built a really, really good team there and it changed, it changed Scottish football to be honest because Martin O'Neill came in and spent money in the likes he spent. Rangers were spending lots and lots of money which probably proved later on to be their downfall but <laughs> that's it the first season advocate in 98 they just spent 40 million in one summer really like in 98 so 40, that was yeah so 40 million, 40 million in 98 was probably like 120 150 million now isn't it yeah. like, I mean some of the players they signed as well like Arthur Newman obviously had a magnificent World, World Cup that year in France Andrew Kachelski had obviously done a, a really good career at Man United and Everton. Van Bronckhorst, Colin Hendry as well. That was, yeah. they spent £4 million on Colin Hendry, who was obviously a Premier League winning captain, Scotland captain at the time. It was it was a sign that Rangers were going to, and the, the, the whole thing was with Rangers, it was as silly as it will probably sound now. Rangers weren't just wanting to win the league in Scotland. Rangers were wanting to win the Champions Rangers were trying to win the Champions League. That was what their ambitions were. Rightly or wrongly at the time, that was, that was where the, the club saw them. The club saw themselves as one of the elite clubs in European football. Well, that's, that's probably, I suppose. As a, if I was a fan, I'd, I'd be quite impressed by that. I'd be, I'd be oh, pretty it was happy brilliant! It was brilliant. I remember it in the early days. Of like when I had my first kind of big, my first season, I remember was was all one and Rangers. Rangers spent twelve million pounds on Tory Andrew Floor. Like I was going to get onto that. Um, Excellent stuff. And just just very quickly then, apart from Celtic and Rangers, do you, I think from an English perspective, maybe from a world perspective, we look at the Scottish League and we think Celtic and Rangers, and we we know a bit about Aberdeen and you know the Sir Alex Ferguson days, and a little bit about Hearts because they won a cup in the mid noughties But was was the league? I guess was it fair? Was it apart from obviously Celtic and Rangers winning every 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 year? Was it always the same teams in the top of the half, in the bottom of the half? Was you know, was the relegations and promotions relatively equal? Did you have a West few Brom? seasons where it was there was a, a there was a few seasons where it was a really kind of a few surprise packages. Like Dundee built a really good team in the early two thousands. They had a, a kind of connection to Italy. They'd got like Ivano Bonetti, who was a really kind of big name in that Italian football at the time. They will touch on kind of high profile transfers later. They brought in some terrific players and. It was, it was, a, it was, Dundee were a kind of, they were a surprise package. They'd done well for a couple of seasons and Fairman finished top six. St. Johnson finished third one year. It was, 
there was a few teams who did really well, probably more than they should have. The likes of Aberdeen, Dundee United, Motherwell, they weren't they, they didn't have they didn't have good decades at all. There was a few seasons where they were lucky to stay up, to be honest. There was Motherwell stayed up due to due to the fact that Falkirk couldn't get promoted because of all seater stadium. That was yeah. in Motherwell anti administration, obviously later on we'll touch on that. But Hearts and Hibs done really well. There was a couple of seasons where I really there was a season where I really thought Hearts would split the old firm. Um, I think probably, we'll uh, we'll get on to that. Is that with uh, yeah. Roman Roman Ramanov, the yeah. Lithuanian uh, chairman, controversial man? We'll get on, on we'll get on to him a little bit later on. But ha- Harry, what are your memories of the SBL in the 2000s? You're wearing a Celtic shirt, so uh, yeah. I'm so, assuming you've got some elitists. Uh, well, somewhat uh, ironically, I'm going to say that uh, growing up, I always had more of an affinity of Rangers, um, down to the fact that they're the only other team that I ever realised would wear. A blue shirt, white shorts, and red socks. And apart from like Portsmouth, I can't really think of many other teams that do that. And um, but uh, I mainly wear, wear a Celtic top to annoy my uh, Irish grandfather. Really. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> 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 no, uh, no, joking aside. But yeah, so uh, it was always to me the main memory is uh, playing those early sort of uh, FIFA career modes where no matter how you did at the end of the first season Celtic or Rangers would always offer you the job and for whatever reason I'd always take it <laughs> do you know what I mean but, um, yeah he was uh, apart from that like like, like you sort of mentioned earlier like obviously the big memory for me is Henrik Larsson playing at Celtic uh, so there's a few other massive players uh, working up there but um, yeah apart from apart from really just the utter dominance of the old firm like uh, my knowledge on Scottish football wasn't great until doing a bit of research today. Oh, no, I found it it's, it's similar to the La Liga episode we've done a few weeks ago. Like when you start digging, it's it's infectious, isn't it? You just want to find out more and more and more, and it's 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 um it's why we love doing this podcast, I guess. So uh, yeah, so a few stats on the decade, I guess. The highest scoring game of the decade was Motherwell against uh, Hibernian that ended six all. Uh, the Record goal scorer in one single season was, of course, Henrik Larsson with 35 goals just in the league. I think he got like 54 or something uh, in all competitions, 53. All-time top goal scorer was, of course, Rangers legend Chris Boyd, 164 goals uh, with Carmarnock and Rangers. Highest transfer fee was Torrey Andre Flo with uh, £12 million, as mentioned earlier. Funny story about Torrey Andre Flo. So my first ever pet was a pet dog, Black Labrador. And we were sat, we were having a meal, a roast dinner, and we were saying, oh, what, what, what are we going to call our dog when we get it next week? And I just said, Flo, because I watched a Chelsea game, and I quite like the Norwegian striker, Tori Andre Flo. And my mum, my mum's a nurse, and she really liked Florence Nightingale. So that's where she thought, <laughs> that's, that's where, that's where she thought, that's where she thought, um, you know, my logic was, for some reason. Um, but yeah, so our first ever pet dog was named after Norwegian striker, Tori Andre Flo. Um, which is bizarre and a bit weird, but there we are. That is true. I believe as well that twelve million pound uh, record is it still a record? I don't be, yeah, think it's Scottish Cup has beat, have they? Really? Not, not, not to date. No, it's, it was it was an insane signing at the time because sure. there was a classic signing of like Celtic that season signed Chris Sutton from Chelsea for six mm. million, and the old the old statement was that the Rangers owner David Murray would come out for every five or Celtic spend, I'll spend a tenner. <laughs> so they basically did. They basically did and went and got Tony Andrew for twelve million. But 
I kind of asked a lot of people kind of recently about that about that signing for twelve million pounds in Scottish football. Tory Andrew Flo was never going to work out, and he got he had a really. I think he'd won. He scored one and two at Rangers. He had a, he had a decent record, but for twelve million pounds, he had to be as you say, Henrik Larson, Brian Lauder, Paul Gascoigne rolled into one. He had to be that good to justify Yeah, that, for sure, for sure. That transfer fee. It's the same, it's the same issue with Harry Maguire, isn't it, at the moment? You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, that's it's that's the... a really good example because Harry Maguire, for £75 million, like, he's never going to justify that. Van Dyke, Van Dyke as well, Van Dyke, £75 million. He's done, he's done enough, but he's not, he's, he's not English. I think a lot of it as well with English football will be an English player will be judged differently because yeah, of, yeah, it's, home, it's, it counts towards the homegrown talent quotas, yeah, and, and absolutely, it's, yeah. it's just bullshit. I, I don't agree with it whatsoever. Uh, yeah, Brexit FC, isn't it? But there we are. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, the highest transfer fee paid between two Scottish clubs. Quiz question: Who 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 knows who it is, and who knows how much it was? I think it was Scott Brown for four and a half. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Scott Brown from Hibs to Celtic for four point yeah. four million. Good knowledge. You're going to need that later on. I like it. Good stuff. Um, another another thing I really liked about the Scottish League, which I didn't know as well, is that um, they had an under under twenty one rule. So each club had to field um, three players under twenty one, and I think that's fantastic. Yeah, that was an early. That was actually ahead its time. It was. I think that was something yeah. to do with kind of France adopted that rule early on. Like, so you would have three players in the bench. It would usually be three players that would that would be in the bench. But the good thing was a lot of as we'll come on to later, a lot of Rangers and Celtic players, they signed kind of young players from the league under 21. So they would go to Motherwell and get their best player, go to Kilmarnock and buy their best player. And they were usually young. Mm. So it would be, you would you would be able to kind of use that rule for that kind of reason. But there's a few really good players come through because of that rule. Like off the top of my head, James McFadden, Stephen Naismith, Chris Boyd was another one who they come through because of that rule really. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Okay, so before we move on to the dominance of Celtic and Rangers, just one last thing I wanted to kind of um, go over in this kind of summary of, of uh, the SPL and the noughties. And that was in 2002, Sky Sports pulled out of the SPL. And Scott, if you can just tell me, what, the, what, what did this do to Scottish football? What did this do to a few of the clubs? We mentioned Motherwell and Dundee. Um, did this have a trickling effect to... What happened to your club Rangers in the end? Is, is, there, is there any correlation? Well, first of all, I'll apologise in advance because I might go into a bit of a tangent here, so please forgive me for that. All right, he's got, two, that, he's got two minutes. <laughs> this, is a wee, this is a wee pet peeve of mine. For sure. Um, but it's, it's good for our listeners to know because they might not know. I certainly well, don't know. Well, the best way to sum it up is in 2001, the, the TV deal was being we kind of renegotiated. It was, I think it was three years into four, and Sky had presented an offer of... 42 million for to renew it, which was up on the last deal. And the guy that was running the SPL at the time was a guy named Roger Mitchell, who I just do not have a time for at all for this reason. He kind of was bringing out numbers in the, in the press at the time of like the SPL is worth 100 million to Sky, 125 million, like ridiculous numbers, like numbers that were never feasible at all. But his his big idea was. He was telling the, the kind of he was telling the club the SPL clubs that uh, that deal's too low. Take the to tell them the deal to take tell them the company to take the deal off the table. That's and SPL gave the offer of forty two million. And I don't know if it was Roger Mitchell, but it was one of them said you're insulting Scottish football. Take that deal off the table, and they did. And so 
the SPL solution to this was to form a, their own TV channel called SPL TV, which would be a kind of standalone channel that would show games and show magazine shows. The problem with this, though, is, and I'm sure this will be a question you will have, this will be the first things they've thought of us. It planned to do this in one year. It planned to do this ready to go in one year. That would never, it was never, ever going to happen. Yeah, that's, that's is the sort of thing you need to do in four years. Secondly, he had also planned to, he had also thought that he would be able to make this 42 million, at least profit in four years, without thinking of the fact that you're going to have, they didn't have a studio, they didn't have a, produ- they didn't have a production company, they didn't have a channel, in it, they didn't have a channel in Sky, which at the time you needed. Mm. And, you would need at least, I thought I calculated it the other day, you would need at least 150,000 people in Scotland to subscribe to this channel. Uh, I was, they were bringing ridiculous numbers at like 19.99 a month. That was a, that was a talk of the deal that Sky probably weren't as bad as that at the time. Sky wasn't as dear as that at the time. Yeah, I can't imagine it would have been. So essentially so, what, what you're saying is that there was no foundation. I mean, it was a kind of the it, it, it was a good idea. It was a good idea, but it was an idea that needed five years of planning at least. You had to have everything planned for that. You couldn't do that in one year. It's not sustainable. So the problem everybody had was is that this, this never got off the table, as you can imagine. That you, you, you're not surprised to hear that. But by then, Sky weren't there. So Sky's, Sky took their money and gave it to, I think that I think they just kind of got the Champions League at the time. So they had other places to take that money. So... Basically, they were scrambling for a TV deal, but the problem was is that all these clubs had basically spent spent more spent more money than they could afford gambling on the TV money being there. So, like I said, Dundee spent got into twenty million in debt on four thousand crowds, twenty million pounds of debt for a club wow. and four thousand crowds. That's nonsense. That's insane. Muddle Muddle went into administration because of it. Livingston later on, Rangers, Rangers are. Many reasons that Rangers went into administration and eventually <laughs> what happened there. That's that's probably didn't help. It wasn't the, it wasn't the main reason at all, like it was for the other clubs. But it was just the fact that this this was never feasible. This SPL TV was never going to fly. Forty two million in guaranteed money, like it was. Just take it, take it, and the clubs could have been. You you would have stabilized. Not none of those clubs would have went into the state they were in if it was wasn't for if they just signed that TV deal. They could have. Done that, it got to a stage where with SPL TV, they'd actually asked Sky to help them get it off the ground. Oh, really? That's how bad it was. They eventually, yeah, the season after, the season after they kind of floated the idea about, they asked Sky to help them get it off. And Sky was basically it? said, Sky basically said, no chance. Yeah, so well, was, you can't blame them. It was never feasible. It was never going to happen. But that's why I hold, I hold Roger Mitchell responsible for the, the state that Scottish football got into after that. And a lot of clubs have never recovered from it. Like Dundee, Dundee had Dundee went into really bad administration twice because of it. A lot of players left. There was Muller got into really bad trouble as well. It was, and it just shows you just one one guy making a bad decision can cause this devastation that that basically happened. It was Scottish football never recovered from it. Still hasn't really. It still hasn't to be honest. Okay, then let's move on to the uh, dominance of uh, Celtic and Rangers, as we've kind of alluded to before. Uh, so during the decade, Celtic won the SPL League uh, six times in 2003-04. They went you know, 32 games unbeaten, very much the uh, Arsenal of their day. 
Um, I think you know, the most wins they had in the season was like 33 or something silly. It was absolutely nuts. As, as Scott said earlier, I didn't know this. John Barnes started out the decade as manager. How, yeah. how on earth did that happen? How did that come about? <laughs> he didn't play for Celtic, did he? Like, what, what was the... No, I, think, I think he was registered as a player, but basically it was a, a kind of modern... It was modern day, kind of. It was a, I think it was kind of 20 years ahead of its time. Basically, Celtic had went through the 90s. They were a mess of a, a club. There was obviously Rangers dominated during the 90s. They'd, they brought in John Barnes with Kenny Douglas, a director of football. Obviously, they'd probably manager and player together. So it was it was it was a kind of dream style appointment for for Celtic, but it, as I say, it just didn't work out. It was a few kind of situ- There was a few things. There was a dressing room discontent. There was a lot went on. John Barnes just probably wasn't a manager. To be honest, it's probably been proven. I think he's managed the Tranmere since, so it shows you yeah. where he's went as a manager. But uh, Celtic, Celtic, to, to give them credit, they went and got the best manager available. They went and got Martin O'Neill. Uh, sure. uh, the summer of 2000 they just went in and he built uh, the best Celtic team I've ever seen a no-brainer it was a great Celtic team yeah just looking at some of the names I've got in front of me you know Alan Stubbs Stylian Petrov Henrik Larsson Chris Sutton Paul Lambert Neil Lennon John Hartson even Ramon Vega made a weird appearance mm-hmm. as well towards the end at the end of his career but Harry what are your memories you got the Celtic top on what are your kind of memories of Celtic <laughs> at this time yeah well uh, like I say, so they went. Uh, I think in total over over two seasons they went something like seventy seven games unbeaten at home. Bloody hell! Like a crazy, uh, a crazy record. Uh, I think something like that can really only happen sort of in uh, Scottish leagues because Celtic and Rangers seem to go on these like crazy runs, like a little bit like uh, this. Like recently, we've seen Celtic win nine in a row and uh, Rangers stop it, but we see, we saw that play out. Once before, with Rangers mm. winning nine titles yeah. in a row and Celtic stop it, it's just yeah. a, it's a league where, where crazy things happen. Um, like in the, I think it was two, is it two thousand two, two thousand three, where uh, Rangers win the league on the last uh, game of the season yeah. by goal difference. Yeah, uh, that, that that season was. I try. I if I can find anyone that will have a better seat, like season in their mind than that season. Of, the last day was unbelievable. Celtic went to Kilmarnock. Rangers went, Rangers went at home and did Fairman. Leveling goals, leveling points. It was whoever scored the most goals won. Rangers won 6-1, Celtic won 4-0. Just, I, I was at Ibrox that day when, uh, when Rangers won 6-1. Mikel Arteta scored a last-minute penalty to win the league and it was just unbelievable. That was, that was probably the most famous, that was probably my favourite day being a, a Rangers fan, favourite day in Scottish football. Just an unbelievable day. It was, I remember there was a guy next to me, do you remember the old kind of beatboxes? like, yeah, a big massive radio. He's had one of them in his his shoulder, and he was giving his updates for Rugby Park and Kilmarnock were playing Celtic. So, wow, it was one of those things I remember. Uh, just as Ronald De Boer scored to make it four one for Rangers, and just when that happened, Alan Thompson missed a penalty for Celtic. It was literally that close. It was like one like those things were happening at the exact same time. It was just a crazy day, and you know? there's famous stories about guys and. Guys sitting in the living room with two tellies on, one of the Rangers game on, one of the Celtic game on. Just a, a day you can only get in Scottish football, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely nuts. Alan Thompson, of course, who made it into our worst England 11 of all time during, <laughs> during the noughties last week. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so Celtic also won four Scottish Cups in this time and three Scottish League Cups. Um, 
they went for a weird patch of getting in players for like six months to a year, Celtic, and predominantly strikers. And they would be there for like maybe 12, 15, 20 games and have a really good record but then never be seen again. Like um, Craig Bellamy comes in on low, loan and he, he scores seven goals in 12 games. Um, you got Jan Venegro Hesslink comes in. Great name, by the way. Uh, he scores 18 goals in 30. Um, Scott, McDonald, Scott McDonald obviously joined from Motherwell and was there for a lot longer, but he had an impressive first season. He scored 31 and 52. Uh, even Robbie Keane you know, um, yeah. scored 16 in 19 goals. Was there a reason why they were getting strikers on a short-term basis or why this was happening? Or was it just more power, more more rotation? I don't remember it being a, a big deal. I mean, Craig Bellamy was, a, was one I remember. I remember when they signed Craig Bellamy, it was, he was class when he was up here. He was up here for six months and he, was, he had a great season. He had a terrific game at Ibrox and an old firm game, I remember. He scored the winning goal. He was just that. He was a really good player, Craig Bellamy, but up here he just took it by storm. He almost single-handedly won Celtic the league. He was, <laughs> the only, he was our only good player on that. They were... They didn't have a great end to that season, and but if it wasn't for Craig Bellamy, they didn't. The Rangers won the league in the the last day of that season as well. Uh, Therefore, mentioned Scott McDonald as you mentioned. Rangers went to Habs, Celtic went to Mullow. Uh Celtic won that up until the 90th minute, and Scott McDonald scored two goals for Mullow to to kind of wrestle the title away from Celtic and give it to Rangers. So it was another crazy day. That was as affecting them up here as helicopter Sunday. I remember that day was unbelievable <laughs> as well. So. Days like that, but be, yeah, Bellamy single-handedly kind of carried Celtic that season. And from what you're describing, is like, for especially for those two seasons we've just been speaking about, is that because there's only 12 teams in the league, you are almost you know you get those more exciting ends to a season perhaps because it's yeah. it's going to be level whether it's the bottom of the table or the top of the table. That's something you don't get arguably in any league in the world. Yeah. Hmm. So that's a, I, I, you know, it's a, it's a big plus for the SBL and, and Scottish football in general, I think. Uh, one more player before we get on to Rangers, I kind of wanted to mention, or a couple of players. So obviously Roy, Roy Keane joins uh, Celtic yeah. in 2005, and uh, in the same year uh, Nakamura joins as well. And obviously, you know, I remember him scoring a free kick against Man United, Champions League, and knocking us well in the group stages, uh, helping us get knocked out. Um, but one player I wanted to speak about, and I can't, I'm toying in my mind if, if he was ever any good or not, because I've wanted to put him in the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame, but I've not done it yet. <laughs> and it's um, former Man City and West Brom player, Samaras, Greek, right. 2004 okay. Euro winning player, scored 53 goals in 156 appearances for Celtic. So by no means terrible. But he just looked like he was playing ice hockey or a different sport when he was on the pitch. I don't know if like um well what what are your memories of Samaras? Was he I think he's just really annoying, even if he was on my team. I... He was actually a decent player for Celtic, to be honest. I remember him scoring uh, a double at Ibrooks for Celtic, but it was yeah, it was it was a good player. He was I remember him being quite lazy. I remember him being quite yeah. kind of just standing there a lot of the time, but when he was when he was on on he was a good he was a really good player to be honest yeah I'm, I know Man City I don't think he done well at Man City at all no he didn't but Celtic had done all right I mean he was reliable enough for them. he kind of uh, he reminded me of like Dimitar Berbatov but without any of the skill or flair yeah. or or, <laughs> or, uh, or or good football uh, <laughs> for sure okay let's let's um, 
Let's move on to Rangers then. Your club. So won five league titles between 2000 and 2010. Uh, we've mentioned it already, but uh, Chris Boyd, top goal scorer in the SPL over that time period between 98 and uh, 2013, 164 goals. 128 of those were for Rangers. What, what was Chris Boyd like as a player? I've seen now looking back, yeah, I didn't realise just how Especially effective was. Chris Boyd. Yeah, like it was at the time I remember like been times been disappointed with him because he wouldn't do enough. But it was just a classic definition of penalty box striker. Just was if you gave him a chance from six to twelve yards out, we would bury it. And it wasn't the most effective of like he wouldn't do a lot of running and it wasn't that type of striker. Like he never he didn't play a lot of European games because in Europe Rangers didn't play Rangers would play completely different in Europe than they would in the league. Rangers would be really defensive in Europe the, those kind of seasons. But when Boyd, when Boyd scored, some of the goals Boyd scores were insane. I remember a game that sticks out to me. It was it was a day he broke the record, actually, the, the most goals in the SPL. Rangers played uh, the United and he needed five. I think it was four goals he needed. He scored five. And they were all just brilliant finishes. Just every, left foot, right foot, header. I think he scored a penalty as well. Could score a free kick. Just massively, massively underrated player. Chris Boyd just done such an effective striker. What I would do to have a Chris Boyd kind of three years ago, like just such a clinical finisher. Good stuff. I was going to mention that game actually because he's the only player I think ever to score five goals in two games, both against the same club. So he scored five goals against yeah, Dundee twice. So, which is a insane stat. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Dick Advocat at the start of the decade being a manager and you know world class manager. Was it a surprise he was at Rangers or how did that come about? Was it just one no, of those things? Not really. Not really, because at the time obviously Walter Smith had the kind of whole nine in a row thing started with Graham Soonis and then Walter Smith obviously took over after that. But nineteen ninety eight Rangers had, Rangers had obviously they'd lost 10 in a row and things like that. There was a, a massive change needed. And it was, again, the thing of Rangers wanted to do well in Europe. Some of the some of Rangers' results in the 90s in Europe were, were really poor. There was a lot of kind of bad results, like Salvesky, Sofia and AK Athens. There was a few, there was a few gubbins in Europe as well. I remember Juventus beating Rangers 4-0 home and away. Like that's Rangers wanted to go do well in Europe and they wanted a European manager. They went and got Dick Advocate, who... Came in the first two seasons were brilliant. Fight won a treble each first season, then the double the next season. They were just a really effective team. A lot of great players came in. Two thousand, it went badly. Pretty much, that was when it started <laughs> going wrong for for Dick Advocat. Fair enough, because I, I my my next door neighbours growing up were massive Rangers fans, and you know they were talking about the glory days in the nineties and the late eighties, and you know, Ali McCoist and um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, as you said, yeah, Michael Aldridge and whoever else. Um, so, what players? I've got a few here. Stefan Kloss in goal, um, great goalkeeper. I don't think he ever got capped for Germany, unfortunately. I think he's one of these no, players who never, never got a cap. Uh, you've mentioned Kachowskis, uh, Giovanni Brambronkos, both De Boer brothers, Flo, Arteta, Nacho Novo, Perso, Barry Ferguson, Gavin Ray. Was Perso any good? For me, he was like the Rangers Samaras. Oh, I done great. It was, it, it was, I loved him. I absolutely loved him at Rangers. They would obviously, we Rangers got him when he was basically a bit near enough. His, his knee was done basically when Rangers got him. The same with Ronald De Boer, actually. Ronald De Boer was another one who was just such a good player. 
But Dado Posso, obviously a couple of years before he played for Monaco in that uh, European the European Cup final with obviously Jose won with Porto. But yeah, yeah, he was really good. He was just a terrific player. Just you can't take, see if see if a player with that ability, even if they're injured, you can't take, see when you see that talent. It's they still have it. They don't lose the talent. They maybe lose a bit of fitness, but they don't lose the ability. And yeah. some of the, some of the some of the goals he scored just a big loved the club as well just loved that atmosphere I think he I always say when you play for Rangers or Celtic you, have, you need to have that something extra and Dado Purcell was kind of Dado Purcell took that and just uh, he's still still with us day. I think he's he, he's a Rangers man at heart so he's a brilliant brilliant player I loved him when he was at Rangers to be honest happy days happy days uh, Harry what do you remember of Rangers and Norses? Yeah, so uh, like saying, obviously, at times they they were a dominant dominant side, and, and uh, except I think they won, uh, I think they literally won a treble, uh, John Venortis at some point. Um, but with, uh, I think like Chris Boyd, obviously, is the big thing that stands out with like scoring twenty seven goals, twenty five goals, quite consistently a season. I think the first season. He signed for you. He scored 17 goals for Rangers, but already scored 15 for Kilmarnock. So it's like 35 goals in one season. It's, yeah. it's a ridiculous numbers. Like, uh, and obviously he's, he had a bit of a strange career after of like going to of all teams Middlesbrough, um, then Forest, and then like Portland Timbers. Like you know, but uh, for Rangers he was just always just you know it's one of those players where. On FIFA as well, it's one of those players on FIFA to always pop up. You know, you'd always want. Um, uh, I, not so much like Rangers related, but I just wanted to point out as well. Like, uh, I think I've might have mentioned to you before, Ollie, that uh, this is one of the only leagues I've seen teams get relegated and get in UEFA Cup at the same season, or even like I think Gretna got uh, in UEFA Cup wide in the second division. Yeah, like, this is. This is like, and again, it comes down to that Rangers and Celtic dominance of them winning the Scottish Cup, leaving that runner-up place to uh, whoever may be they meet in the final. Weren't, um, weren't Gretna in the third division at the time when they were in the final? Yeah, I think it was a it was a second division, but that's another that's another subject we can touch on as well. That's a fascinating yeah. Well, we'll get we'll get we'll get onto that in a second. Um, Splendid. Well, actually, we'll get on to it now then, because uh, we're, we're going to talk about the best of the rest from a few other Scottish clubs as well. Obviously, we, we can't go into much too much detail for all 12 clubs, but a mm. few that I remember from watching back in the day are Hearts, um, Hibs, Kilmarnock and Dundee. So, starting with Hearts, or Hearts of uh, Midlothian, um, to me, they were always like the third team in Scotland. Mm. I don't know if they are, well, I don't think they are anymore, because they've obviously had a bit of a on hard times. But is that an accurate statement, Scott, of, of yeah, them during the noughties? So. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I think they're the best, the best team outside Old Firm. They had some terrific, terrific teams. I remember the the kind of early two thousands. They were they had a really good team. They had the likes of Stefan Adam. They had a really good Europe kind of European core. The likes of Thomas Flogo as well. Another player I remember. They had a couple of good Scottish players, Colin Cameron, Gary Naismith. They went on to have kind of really good kind of good careers in England, but. Yeah, they had a really good team in the early 2000s and then later on, they kind of 05, 06, uh, George Burley came in. They'd obviously had a, an owner named uh, Vladimir Romanov who was a very interesting character in Scottish football. You could probably have a whole podcast episode on him himself, to be honest. But, it's, uh, yeah. 
For sure. So for those for those listening, let's get on to that now then. So yeah, you, Hart still have like a few standout players, as, as you mentioned already, like you know, Craig Gordon and Christoph Christoph Barrow was that. But yeah, in the 05-06 season is when Hart broke the mould. It wasn't Rangers yeah. and Celtic finishing second. Hearts finished second in the league, which definitely jumps out on paper when you do your research into the Scottish yeah. league because it just just breaks the mould completely. And large of it was down to Vladimir Romanov. A Lithuanian madman by the sounds of it and chairman. <laughs> so Hearts finish second in the league. They win the Scottish Cup. Um, but Romanov, I believe, is very unpopular. He brings in uh, George Burley. Then he gets replaced by Graham Ricks a little, little bit later on. Graham Ricks, a former Portsmouth fame, Harry went yeah. about. But I didn't realise he was, he was a convicted sex offender at the time, which like really yeah. upset, really upset. Yeah, Hearts fans, quite understandably. Um, and then he brought in his Lithuanian friend, uh, Valdas. I'm going to murder this pronunciation. Is it Valdaniskis? Evaniskis, yeah. Evaniskis. And um, he brought in nine Lithuanian players. So like, you, had like a, you had like a Lithuanian invasion. And, um, well, I suppose it... I don't know how to put this, really. So do Hearts fans like Romanov do they remember that time fondly because they finished second and won a cup or was it the lesser of two evils is it better to have loved than lost and... I think if you ask Hearts fans the start of the season George Burley came in George Burley was another that was a great appointment for Hearts he was a, he'd done really well with Southampton I think he did I th- no sorry Ipswich he'd done really well with he goes on to Southampton yeah. after that but he'd, he'd done a terrific job with Ipswich got the job brought in it brought in Takis Faisas, was a member of the player that stuck out to me. He he was part of that. He was the starting left back for Greece when they won the Euros. He was a terrific player. Faisas, Rudy Scatch was well, who was a terrific player. Jankowskis, who had been part of that Porto team that had won the Champions League. So they this and they had a really good core of Scottish players. Stephen Presley was there. Andy Webster, likes of Paul Hartley was there. They had a really good team, and they started really well at the start of that season. They won. Eight, I think they won eight games and drew two of their first ten games and they were top of the league. Wow. And I remember that was the first time I ever thought, and it's probably the only time I've ever thought that this team could beat Celtic Rangers to the league. And then after the ten games, George Burley was sacked. Now, there's many stories to why he was sacked. The one that I believe and the one I've heard a lot of the time was is that... Uh, Players were coming on trial. I think there was a player that came in trial without boots and ended up signing a three-year deal. It was a nut. That was a nut. It was a nuts time. It was a, I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, obviously Burley, Burley could sign his own players and eventually. But there was a that kind of caused serious discontent with Vladimir Romanov with the Habs by the heart support that they never ever really they never really recovered from and. He was another man who, who was saying, I'm, I want to win the Champions League with Hearts. And it just it, it went downhill really quickly. And they, they had a really successful team, won a Scottish Cup. They won another Scottish, Scottish Cup, finished second. But they just, it was after that, because I think a lot of Hearts fans had, had kind of got on the train of, we could do something special here, because they had the, they had the resources. They, had a, they built a terrific team. Bully, they got the team won and they were unbeaten in 10 games they beat Rangers at Tyne Castle beat Celtic at Tyne Castle they were flying and just after and it kind of fell apart after that because of as you say Graham Ricks came in and I don't think he was ever kind of supported as manager and 
then he brings in his mates for Lithuania and brings in about five billion Lithuanian players. And it was that, but that's not an exaggeration. The amount I think there was something when when Romanov left, I think there was something like eighty players in in the payroll at one point. Oh, like that's, that's insane. That is insane. And then obviously they kind of ended up going to administration you know, yeah. in more recent yeah. times. And do you think that was thanks to Romanov? Because towards the end of the decade, I was reading that he couldn't afford to pay his players. Yeah, I think he got into some trouble with his home homeland with you know, whatever the key, whatever it was. I think it was mm-hmm. Lithuania Mafia. Aye, so, aye, pretty much. I remember with Andy, Andy Webster, I spoke to him about Vladimir Romanov and he just some of the stories he told me was unbelievable. Like <laughs> wow. off air. But it's like just a crazy a... a crazy guy. But that's it's a classic example of like a, a really, really good club who just and, and a guy just went in and kind of basically raided. Like he basically kind of near enough destroyed him. I remember he went, I remember before that he wanted to sell Tyne Castle. Which was a slap in the face. Like he wanted to build a new stadium and things like that, but Tynecastle were like, it's the home of Hearts. It's yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I know a lot of clubs do change stadiums, but it's like the, the ground. It's it's like the, it's, ground. Yeah, it's like the Queen selling Buckingham Palace on like Zoom yeah, or something. Yeah. It's, <laughs> like, it's like it's sacred ground. It's more than like football's a a way of life to a lot of people, and particularly in Scotland, like doing that, you're never going to be popular. And that's obviously Rangers. The Rangers episode can, uh, could be that whole escapade is down to stuff like this. Like some of the stories about that are unbelievable. Yeah, and it goes back into that Super League thing as well. Like these football clubs were built by communities. Like, you know, yeah. Sheff- the, Sheff- the Sheff- whole Sheffield United team was born out of steel workers. You know, the Fulham team worked on the dockyards. You know, all the teams in Russia are named after trades, you know, locomotives, Moscow, mm-hmm. obviously after the trains, you know, Spartak or electricians. Um, and, you know, it, it, you got you got Barry who lives in, I don't know, somewhere in random Tranmere. He's a, he's a Tranmere Rovers fan for some reason. And, you know, he's, it, let, let's just hypothetically say his wife died. He's got a shit job. All he looks forward to the weekend is watching the football. And that's all he's got. He's got Tranmere and you know, the European Super League can effectively make them go the way of Berry and go bust um, to go on a tangent. Um, hearts, hearts, hearts. So, yeah, hearts. Scottish Cup final, they win. But not only do they win it, in miraculous circumstances, it isn't against Rangers or Celtic or Dundee actually done the, you know, pretty well in, in the Scottish uh, Cups in the, in the time, but against Gretna who yeah. I think were in the second or third division at the time, and it's the first time ever that a club from that low down had reached a final in 2008, I think it was, but in, in miracle circumstances, and then qualifying for, for UEFA for the next year. And this is a club who I'd imagine, and you'd be able to be the expert on this, could only have a few thousand fans turning up each week, if that. Yeah, I mean, the stadium only held 3,000 at the time or something like that. But it was a, that was another example. It was an investor, uh, Brooks Melson, I think he was from Carlisle originally, I think. He bought into Gretna and spent a lot of money, brought in a lot of good players, like likes of kind of Derek Townsley, James Grady, Kenny Ducker. There was a lot of really kind of good FPL players that went to Gretna. Big money. Uh, they get back-to-back promotions, got to a Scottish Cup final, 
Got to the Premier League, I remember them winning the, winning the first division in the last day. It was another dramatic end to the season. They scored in the last minute. They went up to the Premier League and uh, Brooks mentioned, I think he took really unwell. He died not long after after that. It was after they went up to the Premier League and once he took unwell, I think they, the money just got pulled for the club and they're another one. They went into liquidation. Like they, it's like kind of another subject that is key, I'm kind of keen to look at as well. I think that's something maybe down the line we'll, I'll kind of look at. But uh, it was a fascinating period. Like for a club to come for the third division of the Premier League at the time was unheard of in Scotland. Like, yeah, they did it. They did it as well. And just as quickly as they got up, they were that was them. It was that quick. Uh, a couple of just once the money got taken out, that was it. There was there wasn't self sustainable as you say. It's they were only getting two thousand crowds at best. Like you can't see you, the money they were spending, they couldn't sustain it. So yeah, it, was, it went down. It went down as quickly as it was there. To be honest, for sure, for sure. Yeah, researching uh, Britain today, it's just such like because it starts off as such a wonderful story with him, mm-hmm. you know, getting into UEFA and getting promoted a few years later. And just so quickly, it just, you know, because obviously they get promoted and they don't have a big enough stadium. So they home, sh- home share with Motherwell. And by the end of the year, yeah. they're in administration. Then they're, then because they're pretty much not sure they can even afford to be in a second division, they're sent to the third, but they don't even get to play. They just get liquidated then and there. So like, they literally do go the way of Berry. And like, it's so sad to see any club get liquidated. And obviously as a, as a Porter fan, we've been close to that. A couple mm-hmm. of times, um, so it just breaks my heart to, for any team to go from that high to that low so quick. Is but then again, it, it wouldn't you know? It's one of those things that I think it's very particular about sort of like English and Scottish football because we have these depth of divisions, unlike say some other countries. Uh, these stories seem to happen, unfortunately, more often in in our leagues. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're quite right. Gren is a great example of obviously what happens later on. Like it can it can happen to anybody. Like Gretna, you would have thought at the t- when Gretna were reaching the Scottish Cup final that they were they were going to there was talk. I know I, I remember this at the time. It probably will sound off now, but there was talk of Gretna being like getting as much money as kind of Hearts. Like they were going to be the the third force in Scottish football, and it just it, it did just fall away as quickly as it. As it happened to be honest, it was that it was really quick. I remember it being like that's the season they get promoted. There was talk they were going to like finish third and ended up not finishing the season, really. Yeah, very much here today, gone tomorrow kind of uh, mm. mentality. Okay, well, that's hard. There's definitely a documentary somewhere in called Finding Romanov, and it's just <laughs> what he's what happened to him, his exploits. The if there's like a little expat community of Lithuanians somewhere, like you know, there's definitely a documentary there somewhere. Maybe we could do that in the future. Um, okay, so quick, quickly, Hibs then as well, kind of start you mixed bag in terms of league performance, but you know they finished third one season. Uh, it's pretty pretty good for them. They um, reached the final of the Scottish Cup. Alex McLeish as a manager at the start of the decade done pretty well before going to Rangers. Good players and Gary Cardwell, your mate. Um, you know, Ulysses uh, Dela De Cruz. Uh, Riordan, Scott Brown, Colin Nish, Anthony Stokes, you know, if Hearts were third, the third best team in Scotland at the time, were Hibs a close a close contender? Yeah, they were just as good as Hearts as well. There was a season where they built a really good young team, like as you say, Gary Caldwell, 
Derek Ryden, Gary O'Connor, Scott Brown, Kevin Thompson. They brought in a couple of really good kind of players abroad, like Boozlin, Benjaloon. There was a really, really good core, and they won the League Cup under John Collins, and then Tony Mowbray took over. They were a really good side, and that's they were as Ivan Sproul was there as well. He was another terrific player. They were close. They were close. If they if that team had stayed together, that they could have challenged Rangers and Celtic. But the the problem was, as you saw, as you see, that whole team basically basically gets sold on to either Rangers or Celtic or abroad. Gary O'Connor went to Russia. Scott Brown obviously goes on to Celtic. Gary Caldwell goes there. Derek Ryan as well. Uh, Kevin Thompson, Stephen Whitaker go to Rangers. So there's a once you that you can't keep that team for long because they're they're doing that well that Rangers and Celtic it's only a matter of time for Rangers and Celtic to come in and take the, take the best players for the teams to be honest but they had sure. a really good side they had a really good side at that time yeah it looked like it um, so Kilmarnock as well we've mentioned Chris Boyd was there a couple of times he um, and obviously his time at Rangers Ali McCoist was there as well which mm-hmm. I found a bit weird at the, at the start of the season um, Colin Nish um, and a player who I never knew existed before, but has the coolest name ever, Danny Invincible. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember Danny, that. Danny Invincible. What a name! That's got to be the best name in football. There's a great story about Danny Invincible. There was a, it wasn't the best player you'll ever seen at Rugby Park, but the, the amount of Kilmarnock fans that had Invincible in the back of their shirt, and that was. It must have it must have made Kilmarnock a fortune in shirt sales just by having that name. But I remember so many. Kids like obviously I'm I'm from near Kilmarnock, so you would see every every kid in Kilmarnock had an invincible shirt on the back. But yeah, <laughs> Kilmarnock a good side as well. Stephen Naismith as well, who went on yes, to yeah. play for Rangers, he was brilliant. Yeah, I love Stephen Naismith. Uh, Chris Boyd as well was was there. Ali McCoy was after they left Rangers when he was becoming the, the kind of media darling, which he went on to be question of sport, which I still maintain he's the best captain in question of sport. Yeah, hundred percent. Loved them on there. Loved them on that. Him, him and uh, him and John Parrott back in the yeah, day. Yeah, John Parrott. The, uh, the two instruments. Mean, yeah, definitely. They were brilliant together. Matt, Daw- yeah. Matt, Matt Dawson just went like anorexic over time. It was like watching Benjamin <laughs> Button every, after each series. He <laughs> <laughs> basically closed out his career at Kilmarnock. And the good thing with with our channel is we had a lot of kind of Kilmarnock players on who just basically said, even at that age, even with what he was doing in the media and things like that, it was still first to train and he was still just a best goal scorer in Scottish football history, oh. without a doubt without a shadow of a doubt but just even at that age he was just desperate to be fat desperate to be training just basically the chance to obviously he appears in a film as well I don't know if you've ever seen the film uh, Shot at Glory have you ever seen it? I've heard of it I've not seen it no, he, no. Was in, he was in that he was in it with uh, of all people Robert Duval and Michael Keaton he was in oh, the film no. with them but that's that's where he was at the time. He could have been uh, he could have went on and done things like that. It was everywhere in the media, and, but he chose to stay and play with Kilmarnock, closed his career out with Kilmarnock and Wow and the rest is history, really. What a man, what a man. And very quickly then, very, very quickly, uh, Dundee United, we kind of mentioned him earlier, reached multiple cup finals. Unlucky not to win, really, apart from a couple. Good players as well. Owen Coyle, Jason Scotland, David Goodwillie, Noel Hunts, Nicky Weaver was there. It was, um, what were Dundee like? You kind of mentioned they were a bit of a 50-50 team. Is that uh, very much Dundee, the case? Dundee United kind of weren't brilliant in the, the early 2000s. They went on the, the kind of awards towards the end of the 2000s. They built a really good team and you know, young players like Andy Robertson was, was there towards the end of there. Like, they built a good young team 
and Burnley were well, but it was Dundee that were the better team in the early 2000s. I remember they signed the likes of Fabrizio Ravinelli, Claudio Canigia was there. They had a really, really good team, but it was built on debt and eventually went into administration, but they were a top team. Cool then, right. So then, guys, whenever we get a guest on, I know, Scott, you're kind of our first official guest, um, we want to try and get their ultimate 11 from the noughties. Um, so without further ado, Scott, who makes your... Uh, is this your greatest team of all time or greatest team of all time from the SPL? Greatest SPL team of the 2000s. So Fantastic. I'm Fantastic. So, that period. No worries. So what formation have you gone for and who's in the team? 4-3-3. Nice. I like it. Strong. And uh, go on in. Run us through the team. Right, I'll go with Alan McGregor in goals. Just, in my opinion, the best rate, the best goalkeeper I've ever seen. It was a toss-up between Kloss and McGregor, but I've just been with McGregor. Just edges it for me. Terrific shortstop. I'll just, brilliant. Just that, the 07-08 season, best goalkeeper in Britain at that point. Right back, I've went for Alan Hutton. Now, again, it's my Rangers hat on here. I honestly think before Alan Hutton went to Tottenham in 07 and 08, I think he was the best right back in Britain. I kind of looked through earlier the right backs in England at the time, like Man United didn't have a great right back at the time, Arsenal didn't. I honestly wouldn't have traded Alan Hutton for anyone at that point. I just a terrific player. Really came alive and then obviously get his big move. Left back, I've went for Arthur Newman. It was a toss-up between him and Jack, Jack and McNamara, but I've just put Newman in. Uh, again, we have no, I've known really much more you can say. Just a, <laughs> an amazing player for, for Rangers, to be honest. Centre-backs was tough because I you could have four or five and Rangers had two really good ones in Amoruso and Moore, but I have gone for Bobo Baldi from Celtic in that one. I thought he was a really hard... I always just a... I know there's a lot of Rangers players hated playing against Bobo Bowery, just a big, massive machine, just so hard to be, just so hard to play against. I put Stephen Presley in as well next to him, but just because, like, I know he went to Celtic, he didn't do really well at Celtic, but at that at Hearts, he was really good. He was kind of a leader for them. I didn't want to go kind of fully old firm. So I've put Presley in there, just, but yeah, again, you can have Amaruso, Moore, Quellar, Weir. A lot of really good range of central defenders at that time. Midfield today, I went for first of all Barry Ferguson because he is my favourite Rangers player of all time. 0203 season, he was un- unbelievable. Uh, just a terrific, terrific season he had there. Went on to Blackburn, got a bad injury at Blackburn and came back mm, up to Rangers. I, done I really remember well that, yeah. Second spell. But uh, he done really he done well at Blackburn before his injury as well. We just he could have played for he could have went as high. He could have went. He could have played for a top team in England, Germany, Italy. It was that good in 0203. I thought it was terrific. Next to him, I have put Rudy Scatchel from Hearts, who was another terrific player, just a dynamic midfielder. I really, really wanted Rangers to sign him after that 05-06 season, but he went to England. He came back up to Hearts and done well, won the Scottish Cup again with them. But uh, Scatchel just edges it there. Other side, I put Petrov in. Still, uh, still in Petrov was one of the because he, because he played for Celtic, I never liked him, but you, you can't knock how good a player he was. He was a good level, wasn't he? Yeah, it was terrific. Obviously, went on to Aston Villa. Just a, a really, really good 
person as well. Obviously, we know what he went through and just a warrior, really, just come through all that. It was a bit first, first thing this, we're talking about how good a player he was. He was just a terrific box to box midfielder. Just had a really good career, brilliant player. You leave out players like Paul Lambert as well, who obviously won a European, won a Champions League with Dortmund, terrific player. But Petrov just edges it for me. My front three, first of all, I'm going to put Boyd, Chris Boyd in because I wouldn't have put Boyd in 10 years ago, but now you look back and you think what a terrific yeah. goal scorer he was. Sure. Larson straight in, no-brainer. Best player I've ever seen in Scottish football, without a shadow of a doubt. And another one, another case of it was a rival, but you just, it, it terrified me. Still, see when you watch back old goals and you think he was unbelievable. Remember his goal? He scored two goals in Seville for Celtic in like a European final and he just a big game player scored Hart Rangers so many times but what a player best player I've ever seen in Scottish football final player Ronald De Boer because just another one of my heroes loved him growing up terrific player there was a lot of a lot of players in that Rangers team who you could mention like some Michael Moles Shaw Avaladze Dado Purso Later on, like Sir Kina Nikita Yelovich is obviously later on in the yeah. the two thousands, but De Boer, but his his movement, he was just that. It was the last world class player I think we saw at Rangers. To be honest, what a what that. a team! What have you got to say? What a team? And who would you have as as a manager? Manager, I would. I'd toss up between Mark and Walter Smith, but I would go. Yeah, I'll go Walter. I'll go Walter Smith just because okay. I, I would be. Gobsmacked if I didn't. McLeish deserves a mention as well. That's McLeish deserves yeah, a mention because sure. he's done really well at Rangers, actually. Make a, make a hybrid and make Walter O'Neill. Uh, <laughs> there, there we go. Fantastic. What a team as well. And yeah, I don't think, I, I sometimes think that um, Henrik Larson doesn't get enough credit. He's not maybe put on the pedestal up there with your, you know, your classic kind of big, big players from, from, from the decade, I guess. Um, I think the thing but, with Arsenal is as well he, he won a he won a Champions League with Barcelona and what he did he changed the game that that for that game against Arsenal he came on and completely changed that game yeah, for sure. like it was unbelievable it just, yeah, for, the, for, the, for the short time I saw him play at United and um, for the short he was only with us for six months and you know, he was pretty much brought in to be part of the Champions League squad because we were yeah. getting injuries in the league and he was doing, he'd done so well like he mm-hmm. Just brought other players into the game. He didn't score too many, but he he was even that thing must have been 35 at the time. Sensational, sensational talent. You've kind of mentioned Scottish teams in Europe a little bit. I just wanted to quickly run through Celtic and Rangers in, in the UEFA Cup. Uh Celtic made the UEFA Cup final in 2003. They had to beat Blackburn Rovers, mm-hmm. Celta Vigo, Stuttgart, Liverpool, and Bovista on the route to the final, uh, which is considerably harder than. Porto uh, under Jose Mourinho, they did a pretty easy route in comparison. And as you kind of alluded to, yeah, it was two all after 90 minutes, um, with all four goals coming within nine minutes of each other, which is a pretty yeah. mad, mad final. And uh, yeah, Porto obviously going to win 3 2 in extra time. Um, but Rangers, your team in, in 2008, would meet Zenit St. Petersburg in the UEFA Cup final. Rangers, Rangers had to see off Panathinaikos, Werder Bremen. Sporting Lisbon and Fiorentina. Zenit St. Petersburg did have a tough time getting to the final as well. They had to beat a very, very good Villarreal side, Marseille, by Leverkusen, and they beat Bayern Munich 4 0 in the, the first or yeah. second leg of the uh, semi final. And of course, who managed Zenit St. Petersburg for that fateful day? 
Dick Advocate. Dick Advocate, the very man who started off at Rangers in the season. So we don't care about Celtic. Um, talk us talk us through the uh, 2008 UEFA Cup final from a, from a Rangers fan perspective. Oh, never be topped. It was unbelievable. I never ever thought I'd see my, my team in a Rangers uh, European kind of club cup final. Just quite, quietly mention Celtic as well, though. Like you Go mentioned on. the teams there, like terrific, terrific achievement. I remember at the time, I didn't obviously want them to win, but you couldn't help but admire how well they done. They they beat Blackburn. I remember Graham Souness was a Blackburn manager at the time, and all the talk was Souness coming back to Glasgow and things like that. But it was a really good Blackburn team, but it was a great, great season for them. Like that was that's the first season I remember, and I remember that season admiring Celtic with how well they'd done. I obviously didn't want them to win because they were my rivals, but you could, and they. That Porto team were ridiculous as well. Touching Zen in a, a couple of matches, but uh, just Celtic deserve a, a bunch of credit for getting to that final. It was an unbelievable achievement. Oh seven oh eight, it was just a crazy. It was a crazy season. It was a game every two days, basically. Rangers had to play every two days, really. And we beat some terrific teams. We beat Werder Bremen. I remember Alan McGregor making, in my mind, as the best save I've ever seen from a goalkeeper. If you have a chance, type in Alan McGregor save Werder Bremen. It's the best save you'll ever see by a goalkeeper. Beat Sport and Lisbon away from home. Beat Fiorentina in penalties. We get to a, fight, a European final. I remember going down with my family to Manchester and it was just a sea of blue. It was unbelievable. Best day I've ever, ever had as a Rangers fan going down there. And we come up against a really good Zenit team. Arshavin was in it. Uh, Denisov, who was who had a really yeah, good time, he went on. He went on a really good career. Tamashuk, who went on to do well at Bayern, but we didn't do we, we didn't do ourselves justice in that final. I've I've never watched the game back. I don't think I ever can watch the game back. But we that day, I cherish that day forever. Just being there with my family, just the day had. Remember watching the game in a car park. That's where I watched the game. I watched the cup really? final, the UEFA Cup final, that in a car park. See outside, I don't know if you know Manchester, but the there was a velodrome where the yes, yeah. Commonwealth Games that we watched. There was a big screen in the car park, and we watched it in there. But it's a brilliant day. Just so many Rangers fans there. Just you've, you've got all their memories as well. Just brilliant day. But yeah, we came up against a really good team, and Zenit just beat us. Zenit were the better team in the day, and you just say they went on and. They beat Bayern 4-0 in the semi-final, but they went on and beat Man United in the Super Cup because Man United yeah. won the Champions League that year. They hammered Man United in the Super Cup. I don't remember that. It was. And they were just a terrific team, as you say. A lot of the players went on to really good careers. But yeah. yeah, just never ever thought I would see my team in our UEFA Cup final and I don't think I'll ever see it again, to be honest. But yeah, it was one of the days I'll never forget. Excellent. Yeah, I think everyone, you're quite right in saying that everyone has that one game they don't watch back. Um, and I think for me in recent memory is England yeah. Croatia in the 2018 World Cup um, just thinking they must get tired They've, they they must get tired at some point they've played extra time in every round and uh, enter Mario Mandzukic yeah. do you just quickly before we move on to the regular features is there a kind of and you don't have to tell me if you don't want to in case you get stabbed or something but is there a kind of unwritten rule where kind of Celtic and Rangers fans Without maybe publicly saying it to each other, there is a slight admiration of what each team can do. Maybe it might be a player. It might be a once in a generation Henrik Larsson. It might be a once in a generation cup run to the UEFA Cup final. Is there a slight admiration there? 
thing with Scottish football is, like, particularly the Rangers and Celtic, as it, as it can get really ugly. And I don't, I think the only time I remember that kind of being was the towards the kind of middle of the kind of recently it's just got ridiculous like the the rivalry I think the rivalry is worse now than it's ever been I admit I've always I'm a Rangers fan and I don't want Celtic to win but I would never go out and I would like there's there's just a bad it's just a bad situation at times with Rangers and Celtic but when a player a kind of well-known player dies at there's a bit of respect like that regard, but apart from that, it's not. It's it's an old-fashioned rivalry. It's not. It it can get really ugly up up here to sure. Celtic Rangers. It's. I don't like it. I don't. I one thing I I noticed since I started doing the podcast is it's they want out fans kind of want out do each other, and it will get bad. It gets bad. Some of the stuff you see is kind of can get quite bad. But as you say, I think a lot of like I've kind of said myself like. I never liked Henrik Larson when I was when he was playing for Celtic, but God did I realise how good a player he was. And you look back now and you think, what a like just a legend of Scottish football. Just a, there's not a Celtic fan I know who who saw Henrik Larson who won't say he's the best player they've ever seen. It was just unbelievable. Just but in that regard, I think sometimes like Kenny Douglas, I think is a good example. Kenny Douglas doesn't get much he obviously had a really good time at Celtic as a player. Like you won't hear a Rangers fan saying a bad word about him. Like kind of thing. That's probably the only the only player I can I can really think of that kind of gets respect from both sides. But nah, it's not a it's not a right it's not a a nice rivalry to be honest up here. That's a well, that's an excellent insight for our listeners anyway, and certainly certainly a lesson to uh, myself and Harry. Um, yeah, thanks a lot for that, Scott. But it's time now to move on to our regular features. And uh, Scott, please join us in a few of the quizzes we've got coming on later on as well. We normally now do uh, through the Keown hole, but I've decided to shelve that for, uh, for for a week at least. I wanted to try out something new. So re- are you ready for the football pun? As we play Balak to the future. Yes. This 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 is the round in which we go back into our time machine. We get the flux capacitor with Doc Brown. And we have a look at transfers that never quite happened, but very, very nearly materialised and what might have been. So I've got a few for you today. Um, first of all, in 2009, having already landed Rubinho from Real Madrid, a ludicrous offer from Manchester City to AC Milan for Kaká for £108 million. Very, very nearly happened to the extent we're an optimistic Manchester City fan, even tattooed Kaká in a Manchester City kit on his chest. Um, of course, he eventually ended up going for £56 million to uh, Real Madrid. But thank God that didn't happen because Kaká at the time won the Ballon d'Or FIFA World Player of the Year in 2008. And 108 million pounds as well. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo didn't go for that much to Madrid. That is ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous. Do you two remember that happening at all? Or that in the papers? I remember, I remember the Kaká chat to Man City. Yeah, terrific. I loved Kaká. He's probably my favourite player at the time. Yeah. I just loved him. He's really good at AC Milan. But yeah, I remember. I do remember that. I remember him going to Man City, Real Madrid after that, thinking, why Man City were desperate to sign him at that point, if I remember. Oh, yeah. Really desperate, yeah. yeah. 
I remember, yeah, like I said, I remember it all, you know, it was a, such a big story on like Sky Sports News and on every back of every paper. But uh, I'm, I'm so happy. Like, I'm happy it didn't happen just for the fact that guy when he got that tattoo. Like, for that reason alone, <laughs> that's enough for it not to happen. But it would have just, like, obviously now, like, maybe it's changed a little bit post COVID. But obviously, 100 million for a player is, is sort of standard these days. But it would have moved that forward so much faster. And uh, I don't know if that would have been a, a good thing, really. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You never know. You never know. Uh, moving on, a relatively unknown 22-year-old in 2010 was playing for uh, Poznan and Sam Allardyce had parted with £4 million for the striker, which was accepted by Poznan. It was Robert Lewandowski. All that needed to happen was for him to do the medical and sign the paperwork, and he would have been a Blackburn Rovers striker. But do you know why this never happened? You know, accepted bid of four million pounds. You know why it didn't happen? You guys remember? I can't. No, it was the volcanic Iceland, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> volcano went off in Iceland, which meant all all um, yeah, travel sure. was grounded, and it meant that Lewandowski couldn't fly, and uh, he wasn't a Blackburn player. But in my opinion, he couldn't have been too keen to go because if he was that desperate, you could have like from Poland to Blackburn. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a day or two's drive, but you know. He could have got the ferry across. It, there would have been other ways of doing it. Or he could have done his medical in Poland. There, was, there were other ways around it. But, um, yeah, he couldn't have been too keen. Um, Sam Allardyce, again, almost signed, this time for Bolton Wanderers. Uh, when Bolton had that really good season, they finished sixth in the Premier League and obviously made it to a League Cup final, which they eventually lost to Middlesbrough. They nearly signed Rivaldo. Um, but, obviously, he ended up going to Olympiacos. So much so that the former Ballon d'Or winner actually said, I relished the challenge of getting Bolton into the Champions League. Do you know what's funny about that? Celtic, oh. were, Celtic were close to signing them exactly really? at the same time as well. Yeah, Celtic were close to signing them at that. I remember that chat, Rivaldo, I think, I think it got to the medical stage. Like, I think it was that close. And something Insane. happened. I think it was an agent, I think. It was something to do with the agents, if I remember right. But yeah, Celtic were definitely close to signing Rivaldo at that point as well. I mean, he was still good at Olympiacos as well. He was still scoring overhead yeah. kicks and mental free kicks. He was still a great player. And this one, I'm pretty sure you'll both know, but I just had to throw it in because it was the Scottish special. I think we all know the story of um, Alex McLeish's son playing football manager and uh, oh. scouting Lionel Messi and uh, Andreas Iniesta. And uh, allegedly Alex McLeish sent one of his scouts to go and scout them and try and sign them on loan. Um, I don't think it would have ever materialised, but we could, we could dream. We could dream <laughs> that maybe one day a young Messi and Iniesta were uh, starting alongside Barry Ferguson. Um, it might have happened. You never know. You never know. It might have happened. Can I throw one in that you might never have heard of? But yeah, no, please do. Please do. It's a brilliant one. It's not... It's- there's rumours if it's there's it's certainly rumours but I don't know if it ever was true but there was big talk in 97 I think it was that Rangers had signed a kit deal with Nike and Nike's star man at the time was Ronaldo and there was big rumours at the time you can find this on Google if you type in Ronaldo Rangers you'll find it Rangers were going to sign Ronaldo from uh, uh, Barcelona I also went to Milan but it was only going to play European matches and old firm games it was. It wasn't going to play any other games. They were only going to sign him for the Champions League. 
That's crazy. That was a big. It was a rumor. It's there's talk there. It's true. I don't know if I, I've asked around about it. And I've been told it's rumors, but can you imagine Ronaldo turning up at Ibrox in '97? To be fair, in 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 the late nineties, where he was at PSV Eindhoven in Barcelona in Spain, he's on the rounds. I, I suppose with um, twenty twenty one vision, it would be slightly odd. But I suppose at the time, you never, never really know. I guess. Isn't there a similar rumor that uh, when Ronaldinho was on his way to PSG, that they weren't sure if he was going to be ready for European football, and Saint Mirren tried to get him on loan? Yeah, I've heard that. There's, yeah, there's something in that, yeah. Yeah. Well, just imagine, like, that's in, like, 2001. So, like, it's literally a year before he scores that free kick against England in a World Cup. Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Of course, uh, Sim- Simirin's most famous player, Eric Jumba Jumba. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> despise the man. He's in, he's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. So that's the end of Back to the Future. That that might come back next week. Um, but it is time now for, okay. the, uh, for the infamous, the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, this is where we induct a player into the Hall of Fame, where we just think, how on earth did they get a professional contract? They truly were awful. How are they How are they even a footballer? We've had the likes of David didn't go in there, um, Robbie Savage himself, of course, um, and, and plenty of others. You have to go back through the podcast to see them all. Um, but Harry, would you like to go first this week and induct yeah. someone into the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame for us? I'd love to. Uh, so... This, this player should be familiar to you, Scott, and uh, hopefully not too controversial. Oh, God, <laughs> not again. He's done it again. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you, put so, Alex, you put Alexander Hleb in one week. I was... Yeah, for the La Liga. He, he completely failed in the La Liga, didn't he? So <laughs> I thought it made sense. All right, so this player made 293 career appearances, scored 107 goals for eight clubs. These uh, honours include a Euros under-19 third-place medal. Good start. Two Slovak Cups. Two Korgan Ligas. One Slovak Super Cup. The Austrian Bundesliga and the Austrian Cup winner. He is a Rangers Northeast player, Philippe Sibo. Philippe Sibo, yeah. So, yeah, he started his career at FC uh, Cologne in Germany. Um he managed 50 games and 25 goals for the second team. But then he moved back to Slovakia uh, with Inter Bratislava. What's one of the greatest team names I've ever heard of. I need a shirt like right now. Uh, he scored eight goals in 25 appearances and uh, transferred to local rival side FC. And I think it's pronounced FC Perta Zalka. There he had a great record of 22 goals in 29 games. He finished the uh, league as a top goal scorer and uh, Austria-Vienna came in for him. They spent 400000 on the player. Uh, he went on to secure the Austrian double, winning the Bundesliga and the Cup. However, he only scored six goals in 32 games. So Rangers obviously went, that's the man we want. And uh, spent £1.8 million on this player. Um, and I think... Uh, he's he scored on his debut, I think that's correct, right? Yeah, and then he scored 
just one more time in the 23 appearances. But he became a bit of a cult hero at Rangers for his work ethic and his like uh, unique look, shall we say, with his stocky uh, frame. Uh, after that, uh, the owner that why he was at VR Brox, he did he had a bit of a uh, great record of scoring in friendlies as well, including yeah, score against Chelsea, yeah, that's right. Yeah, including a goal against Chelsea and uh, a hat a hat trick against uh, none other than Gretna. So <laughs> I thought he's too. He has to go. He had to be mentioned today. Um, after that, he he had a little spell in uh in France where. Similar story. He played about sixty-two games and uh, scored two, six goals this time. Um, then he was back to Slovakia this time with Sloven Bratislava, and he scored twenty-nine goals in fifty-three appearances. So he's sort of back at his level there. Bless him. Um, he was uh, most interesting is he was without a club between two thousand and twelve and two thousand and fifteen, and then he resigns for Perta. Zelka only plays nine games but scores nine goals <laughs> so I don't know whether he just had this amazing run or whether there was some corruption going on I'm not really sure but uh, he retires after those nine games my question for you Harry why is he in the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame he scored nine in nine for a club <laughs> yeah I mean he scored two in 23 for Rangers yeah but it's not mm. okay well, it's your choice can I can I tell a yeah. quick story about Philip Chibble? Well, that whole the the season that you're referring to when he signed for Rangers was this, the season Rangers set got Paul Le Guin as new manager, which was probably which is a an our subject that's a really interesting story. Actually, it was we done a podcast on it not long ago, but Rangers signed three players from Austria Vienna, and Philip Zebel was one of them, and it was basically just like, yeah, this agent gave Rangers three players. Let's go and sign them. It's kind of sums up the the state Rangers were in at the time. They were just signing players because agents were telling them to. Philip Zebo would work his ass off for you. Just just a work cost, but just the classic example couldn't have couldn't have a cow in the arse with a stick. <laughs> just God bless him. Just tried his heart out. Just wasn't good enough. But I. Loved his work rate. Just would run and run all day for you. Just oh, the opposite of Chris Boyd would would run and run and run, but not, very rarely scored a goal. Whereas Boyd was the exact opposite. Wouldn't move out the penalty spot, but give him a chance, he'll bury it. But Philip Zebo, that brings back a memory. <laughs> Controversial then, because I've also gone for a former Rangers player. Oh, sorry, so Scott. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um. But I think you might actually agree with me on this one. Right. Let me know at the end. So he had a very mixed bag in terms of his career, but he was notable for being a high-profile and controversial character. He would go from being a rock at the back one minute to being a total calamity and scoring own goals for next minute. It is Jean-Alain Boomsong. Oh, no, no. I can't agree with that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> he joined Rangers in 2004 on a free from a French club, Auger. Um, He would only spend six months up there before a controversial move to Newcastle. Uh, he played enough games. I think he played 18 games. So it was enough for him to get a winner's medal. Yeah. Um, and then he later joined uh, Juventus when they were in Serie B, helping them into Serie A. 
and had unsuccessful spells with Leon and Panathinaikos. Um, at one time, he helped Clarence Sadorf manage the Cameroon national time uh, team. Team, sorry, and um, he was very quickly fired uh, for reasons no one actually knows why. Um, but the main reason I'm, I'm inducting him into the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame was firstly because whenever I saw him playing in the Premier League, he just looked slow and very, very um, accident-prone. But also because he is the older cousin of fellow Hall of Famer David Ngo. So uh, <laughs> that's that's the main reason I'm putting him in. Do you want to make it a family affair? Pretty much. I wanted a family tie-in that Scott, you were shaking your head at the start. You, do you have good memories of Boomsong? He was only there oh. for a short while. He was only there for a short while. He came in a free from France. I can't. I can't remember what club. Auxerre, Auxerre. Yeah. Auxerre, Auxerre, yeah. And for the six months, he was unbelievable. I, I remember thinking at the time, like, "How this guy's unbelievable." It was, I was only maybe eight or nine, and I thought this guy's unbelievable. Bit weird how Rangers get him for a free, then sell him for nine million a few months later. It was a bit weird at the time, and. But I've, I thought it was terrific. For, I, I, I know he did. He did have. He didn't do much after Rangers. He didn't do well at Newcastle. I remember Juventus. Obviously, it was famous. He went there when they were relegated, and he somehow I thought when he left Rangers, he would go on and be a top class centre half because he showed it at Rangers. It was something. It was ahead of his time. Actually, it was a really good ball playing centre back. He would bomb forward. Really good defender as well, yeah. But I have nothing but good memories of Boomsong at Rangers. I thought it was terrific. He was actually, he's he's actually on my shortlist for my ultimate eleven. You joking? Honestly, honestly, you joking? I was like thinking he's really, he was really good. He was a terrific, but he was only there for six months, so you can't have him in front of the likes. I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to cut this out in the final edit. I'm I'm joking, (laughs) but uh, we switched uh, roles once. You, you have a controversial one. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Of course you can. Okay, Scott. Scott, who are you bringing right. into the? Just for that off the top of my head, and that's will be a name that you might be familiar with. Do you remember a player called Edgar Lostenstad? Yes. He went to. He played for Blackburn and right, Southampton. Yeah. I think he did. I think he went first to Southampton for about seven million. He came up to Rangers in early '03, and he was absolutely oh my! He was very poor, just slow as a boat. Didn't really, really look interested to be honest, but yeah, he would. If it was a Rob, if it was a Robbie Savage Hall of Fame, Edgar Lostenstad deserves a mention because he was very poor at Rangers. There we go, a bonus, a bonus Hall of Famer. Excellent <laughs> well, stuff. If he played of Southampton, he can definitely go in. I don't know. <laughs> uh, didn't you put James B in as well? Yeah, <laughs> he, was another, he, was an, he was another one at Rangers. Yeah, God, <laughs> bloody hell, Harry. You should know. You should know. It's time now for deal or no deal. This is the transfer game in which we have five transfers, but were they true or were they false? As we've got Scott as our guest this week, we're going to give him some transfers, but were they real? Were they not real? Were they a deal or were they a no deal? So all you have to do, Scott, is answer deal or no deal to these proposed transfers. Did these happen in the noughties? Now, from what you've told me so far on your knowledge of Scottish football, I think you're going to get all five, but uh, it's worth a go anyway. So, number one, did Charlie Adam move from Rangers to Blackpool for £500,000? Deal or no deal? Deal. Correct, Amundo. Did Samaras 
move from Celtic to West Brom on a free deal or no deal? Deal. Was a deal. Two out of two. Told you this was easy. Um, <laughs> you, 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 Alan Hutton, did he move from Rangers to Aston Villa? 7.2 million. Nope, maybe Rangers to Tottenham. He did. He also had a really odd loan spell at Mallorca, which I found a bit weird. Yeah, so he did, yeah. Bit weird. Three out of three, of course. You, it seems stupid asking that one after your uh, your love for him. But uh, uh, <laughs> number four, Pedro Mendes. Did he move from Rangers to Benfica for one point two million euros? Don't think. No, I'm sure he went from Rangers to Sport Lisbon. He did. Yes, fair play. Four out of four. Can he make it a clean a clean sweep? Did Jan Venegor of Hesselink move from Celtic <laughs> to Hull City on a free? Oh. Don't think so. I don't think he meant to hold. Did he? What's your final answer? Uh, no deal. Okay, really surprised with that. It's a deal. He did get to hold. Did he? Yeah. Scored on his debut and then never again. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, four out of five. So you actually got the average. That's what I'm quite gutted about that because I can't remember him playing for hold. <laughs> Neither do the whole fans. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play. Oh my god! Well, four out of five is a good score. I'll give you that. Yeah. But I was exp- you, you went through the first three so quickly that I, I thought it was going to be a clean sweep. But unlucky, unlucky. I'm here. I'm here. that because I'm still. I can usually picture players in a, a shot, but I can't hear. On a, on a free as well. That's pretty nuts, yeah. isn't it? Fair play. That's a good ball for Roberto Carlos. Hooked into the penalty area towards the down. Oh, that was deal on no deal. It's time for our finishing game before we wrap up. So Scott, thanks a lot for joining us from SM Media. Where can people find you? Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. All over Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I, as I say, it's it's really good kind of Scottish football related content, all other sports as well. But yeah, you can find us anywhere. Just SM Media. And we'll be hopefully providing some really good content going forward. Yeah, 100%. So, listeners, go, go check him out. He's got some fantastic interviews with ex-players on there. Um, 100% worth listening, worth listening to. So, the final round, it will start now. It's starting 11. So, I pick a prominent match from the noughties. And you have three minutes to try and guess the starting 11. But, Scott, as you're our guest, I'm going to put you up against Harry. And Harry hates okay. this game. So, <laughs> and I've actually gone against the groove a little bit. I've decided to go for an international game that was played on the 17th of November, 1999. It was England against Scotland at Wembley when Scotland beat us 1-0. Um, so Harry, you're going to have to think of the, the England team. And Scott, you're going to have to think of the Scotland team. Um, okay. From 1999, when England lost one nil. Oh, seven. Wembley. I don't care. I still know. Who, I still know who played in the 1966 World Cup final. I was three. <laughs> oh, I've got no excuse. <laughs> yeah. <it's good. laughs> uh, God. There must be a pretty famous game for the, for the Scottish, Scottish, Scottish people. Um, so, who would like to go first? I will go with the goalkeeper. I'm pretty sure it was Neil Sullivan. Hold on, I've got to start the timer. You've got three minutes starting now. Uh, goalkeeper, you said Neil Sullivan. Yes. 
Semen. <laughs> I have no uh, idea. It's just tough, actually. Uh, Gary Neesmith? Gary Neesmith? No. Christian Daly? Christian Daly, yes. David Weir? Yes. Barry Ferguson definitely played. Yes. Don Hutchison played. Yes. Paul Lambert didn't, so... Oh, God. You know, he didn't. Dominic Matthew played? No. You mentioned one of these players earlier on. Matamara? No, did not play. One minute's gone. Two minutes left. I'm struggling here. McFadden? No, McFadden's too young. Yeah, yes. Well, well, that's a good one. Well, then. There's one very prominent defender you've mentioned, won the Premier League. Colin Hendry? Yes, Colin Hendry. Did he play that song? He Colin, did. Callum David, did Callum Davidson play? He did. You have three more to get. They would have played. Oh, that's... Half your time is, is gone. This is going to sound daft, but did the Angel and didn't play, did he? No. No. Just real off names. Kelly Dodds? Yes. Colin two. Cameron? No. You've got two more to get. Can you get a clean sweep? It's only been done once before. Eh, uh, right, midfielders, midfielders. Uh, John Collins, wouldn't have played? No, no way. No, he did. John Collins, did he actually? John Collins played. you got one more to get. Can he get Scott it? Get, Scott Gemmell. 45 seconds. No, not Scott Gemmell. 40 seconds. Can he get oh, a clean no, sweep? No, 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 no. This would be insane if this happens. Thirty seconds. Harry is not happy. He's got he's got a lot to contend with. I'm not happy at all. <laughs> Twenty seconds. Ten's a good score, even if you didn't get the final one. It's a very good score. Gary Holt. No. Ah, he wouldn't play that silly. Uh, I think I've ever got ten. Paul Ritchie. Paul Ritchie wouldn't have played. No. Five. Nah. That was McKinley. Two, no, nah. one, time, time. V very good effort. Neil McCann. Daddy. Oh, sorry, Dad. Oh, he put the cross <laughs> in. <laughs> Genuinely oh. got it. He's got his head in his hands. Oh, no, Neil McCann. That's terrible. Hey, don't worry. There's, there's no cash prize. Don't worry. It's, it's... <laughs> <laughs> there was a moment uh, where you, 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 you were like, no, nah, he didn't play. And I was like, hang on, he knows who didn't play. Oh, my. <laughs> Fair play. Right, I tried that. to... What we I've need tried to, do, to write down. Sorry. What we need to do is we need like a Top Gear esque kind of like leaderboard. <laughs> I think I think I think ten out of eleven is going to take some beating. I've, I've only got ten out of eleven once, and yeah, I think that's very very good. Go on, Harry. What are you saying? I was saying I've tried to like start listing names down. Who might? I've only got six. <laughs> you got just got to think of the World Cup team. Yeah. And maybe, anyway, right. I'll. I gave Scott a few clues. O two team, but you've got you've got to name the full squad to beat Scott. So uh, good luck. All right, your yeah, time. I, 
I think I can if you get if you've got six, I think I can have a, an attempt at the other. <laughs> Anchor will actually get more of the Anchor more than England team. Right, you're in direct you're in direct competition, so don't help them to the end. All right, let's let's try this. Three, two, one, you got three minutes from now. So team is in goal. Yes. My boy saw Campbell's starting at the back, surely. He is. But he's gotta be partnered by I was thinking it's gotta be like Adams, right? Uh yes, he did play. Alright, cool, cool, cool. So Skulls has gotta be on pitch. Yes. Beckham. Yes. Okay, up front, it's gotta be Shearer. Yep. And is it like Sheringham? No, so it's a young player. Uh, Obviously, this is nineteen ninety nine. Oh, it's going to be Owen. Yes. From ninety eight World Cup. Okay, okay. I think of ninety eight World Cup players now. Okay. Um, Gary Neville. No. Phil Neville. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Neville. (laughs) So that's one more than. I had written down. Um, <laughs> so who else could be in the midfield? Uh, Skulls, we've got Beckham. It's way too early. Oh, God. Just mean players. Who else could be playing midfield at this time? Uh, time. Oh, Southgate. Yes, he was actually playing in defence. That's He's like ne- his... you've got You've got the defence. Okay. Midfield, man. Midfield. You've got the defence and the strikers. You just need two more midfielders. You've done really well. Are they really Uh, weird ones, though? um, You definitely know the players. They didn't have a prominent England career. Left wing and a centre mid. Oh, okay. Left wing and a centre mid. You've got one minute left. Left wing. 99 who's around this time uh, uh, is he got a relation to a former Portsmouth manager yeah maybe oh yes okay cool Jane Redknapp you've got 10 out of 11 you've got 40 <laughs> seconds left could you actually Who? beat score this is the most dramatic <laughs> final of all time I don't think so who's the so is the centre midfielder yes it's too early for the obvious ones 30 seconds just keep naming them if you do this I'm, I'm blanking now so all that pressure he's put on me man I'm telling you <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah no. 10 9 just guess. Well, I kick myself 8 yes 7 6 5 any name 4 3 2 no idea 1 no it's idea. gone it's gone well you're done a lot can better I than I thought he would. Scott for the stab. He's going to steal it. He's going to steal it. It's either Paul Lentz or Ray Parler. Who are you going for? Paul Lentz. Correct. Oh, well done. I don't think I'd ever got Paul Lentz, to be honest. Fair play. End it on a draw. I think that's a very poetic way to end it all. And it's the end of the podcast of the uh, Scottish Football in the Naughty special. Uh, yeah, thanks again, Harry, for joining me as always. And Scott. From SM Media, you've been an absolute legend, mate. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks very much. Absolute pleasure.
No, not a problem. Cheers, really. Enjoy and uh, yeah, look forward to uh, keep up with good work and look forward to seeing more of your interviews and things on SM Media. Don't forget to check them out, listeners. And if you want to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram, on Twitter, it's at Team of Our Lives and on Instagram, ultimate11.football. And we will see you next time, whatever that may be. So until then, sayonara. Team. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.